Hi, everyone. Welcome to this very special podcast episode. I'm excited to be here with Roku and Jägermeister, as well as the directors of the Lesbian Bar Project, which debuted on October 11th. It's a highly anticipated three-part docuseries spotlighting lesbian bars and the communities that they serve across the U.S., it was a big brand partnership collaboration between Roku, Brand Studio, and, and Jägermeister. So I'm really excited to have Brian Toombs, head of content at the Roku Brand Studio here, alongside Olivia O'Leary, National Manager of Culture Content and Experiential Marketing at Jägermeister US, Elena Street, Co-Director of the Lesbian Bar Project, and Erica Rose, Co-Director of the Lesbian Bar Project. Olivia, I'd like to start with a question for you. How did Jägermeister originally get involved in this project? So the initial introduction was made by Stacey Lentz. She's the founder of Stonewall Inn Gives Back Initiative and co-owner of the Stonewall Inn. She made the introduction to Eric and Alina during our COVID response to um, some of the issues that bars were facing. We had launched the Save the Night campaign, which was a global initiative to help support. And Stacy had said that some of the things that Eric and Alina wanted to get across aligned with our brand goals and visions for their Save at Night campaign. So that's how it all began back in 2020 in the beginning of COVID. And grateful for Stacy for that initial introduction. And that has come full circle now. Um, and having Stacy involved in our Save the Night messaging within the Lesbian Bar Project with integrating safe spaces messaging. Awesome. So talk about, obviously, for Jägermeister, there's a big brand alignment here. It's something that you guys have put yourselves behind um, in terms of LGBTQ nightlife. Talk about the brand strategy here, why this aligns and why this is a positioning that Jägermeister has taken. Yeah, well, as I mentioned, it all came under our Save the Night campaign, which was this global response to help spaces that were in need at this time. The Lesbian Bar Project fit perfectly into that. We had worked with a variety of different LGBTQIA initiatives throughout our Save the Night campaign. And this was just another one that we were going to help support and build upon. You know, when Eric and Elena first came to us with the story of there only being 15 lesbian bars left in the country, we as a brand, of course, wanted to support that initiative and stand behind it the best we could. The fact that these 15 bars were not just physical spaces that people went to, but there were also safe spaces that people relied upon was really important for us to brand stand behind and be able to support. Mm. So I'd love to hear from Erica and Alina about why you decided to partner with a brand and specifically Jägermeister on this project. Um, Was this initially how you thought you would get this documentary out into the world and talk about how it was for you, this partnership? Yeah, I mean, I think that when we launched it, we wanted to get it out to the world. And we knew that a brand sponsor would help us do that. But we wanted to work with the right brand sponsor. And Olivia and the entire team at Jägermeister has been phenomenal, you know, since the beginning. And I think a lot of experiences that filmmakers have or other artists have is, you know, maybe we'll get support in June because of Pride Month, but it might not necessarily be year round. And what really excited us about Jägermeister was the Save the Night campaign, the relationship with Stacey and the commitment to champion LGBTQ stories every day of the year. And they have been amazing, amazing partners uh, throughout this entire process. And I think what's really interesting in the content sphere is that brand partnerships with filmmakers has become you know more abundant than ever. And it's really helping create high-end content 
that I'm sure Brian can speak to even better than me <laughs> um, in terms of just how the space is moving. And I think it's really exciting because it helps get our work out there in very exciting ways. There's definitely a lot of momentum with um, brands sort of funding or supporting documentary filmmaking. And I know the Roku brand studio is right sort of at the center of this work. So Brian, I'd love to bring you in and talk a little bit about like how you sort of this project got on your radar. When did Roku get brought into the process and why did you feel like it was the right fit for you? Yeah. So we were made aware of the Lesbian Bar Project via uh, someone on my team, Keishla Rivera Estrada, who is a producer on our team. She's friends with Erica and, or previously, and uh, said, Brian, this is really cool. You should check this out. And we saw the the PSA in the, in the short and immediately thought, this is a series. This, this should be, we can really expand the storytelling here. And the fact that Jaeger was involved um, made it even better because that's a natural partnership of what we do, which is working with brands to do this sort of storytelling that goes beyond traditional advertising, right? And so we reached out, we talked to Erica and Alina, they were interested in kind of building out the scope of this. And then we were connected to Jaeger and it went pretty smoothly. It's been a wonderful uh, collaboration since the jump. Yeah, I guess, Olivia, talk a little bit about why you felt like Roku was the right distribution partner for this for this documentary. And Erica and Alina, too. I'm sure you have thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it all started off as a very... It was it was a passion project, right? Jägermeister jumped on this because it was the right thing to do at the very beginning of this. We didn't have campaign goals or KPIs behind it. We just wanted to help get the narrative across and make sure that we were helping save these safe spaces. So... It was very important to us when we were choosing a partner that they believed in the same ethos as us. It wasn't just about like campaign numbers or media or, you know, it was about, okay, how do we make sure that as many people as possible get to see this and hear this and understand and be able to support it? So from the initial conversations that we had with Roku and the team that were involved in it, it was very important that their goals aligned with ours. So um, as Brian said, it's been a, a really pleasant experience working with the Roku team and Eric and Elena, of course, to make this come to life because we all have the same goals at the end of the day is to make sure that these bars are represented and they're supported. Mm. Erica or Elena, did you have any thoughts on that? Yes, I think off of that, you know, that we were making films for uh, an audience to watch them and uh, it was very appealing to partner with Roku because we just knew that it would really promote the accessibility to our work and to spotlighting our community. These spaces are spaces for marginalized communities that are not often being spoken about. So it's a really great opportunity to finally talk about them and, and show them to as many people as possible and also support our spaces. And I think it's also just to note a further testament of both Jägermeister and Roku that they have put so much behind queer stories for queer people made by queer people, because that doesn't happen every day. And it is always an uphill battle. And the fact that we have such wonderful partners who really advocated for the stories that we wanted to tell, uh, we saw that and we knew that this was a partnership that we absolutely wanted to maintain and uh, pursue. And Brian, how does this, I know Roku has 
Roku Brand Studio is is a big new area that you guys are pushing into. There's also your standard ad business, programmatic ad business. Like, talk about how this type of project fits into Roku's broader content strategy. I'll I'll start by mentioning that the other reason that Roku is a and the Roku channel specifically, which is our ad supported streaming service that's on the platform, is a good fit for Lesbian Bar Project, is because it's television streaming. Right. And so this is, these are powerful, cinematic, long form storytelling. Right. And that the best version of it is on the largest screen in the home. Right. So you get to actually watch TV quality um, content that is in partnership with the brand. How it fits in, well, like I said, TRC, the Roku channel, is an ad supported service. And we run traditional ads and we also, we have um, Roku originals and licensed content, but then my group, we operate in that in-between zone, right? Of identifying stories that can be supported with brand partnership. And this is a perfect example of that. Mm. So Alina and Erica, talk a little bit about your creative vision for the series, like what you wanted to get out into the world and how Jägermeister and Roku both supported that? So when we initially started the project, our goal was to alert the masses that there were very few lesbian bars left in the country. And we also did an impact campaign. We, in 2020, our first uh, iteration of the project, we did a PSA. We also attached um, executive producer Leah Delaria from Orange New Black, who uh, provided her voice as this uh, narrator to the PSA. And we were successful and raised over $117,000 for the bars, which, uh, you know, defied our expectations. It was great. And then we partnered with Jägermeister again in uh, 2021 and did a short film that uh, was focusing on two bars in New York, Cubby Hole and Henrietta Hudson, uh, hers in Mobile, Alabama, and a new bar in, that was started in uh, last year called As You Are in D.C., um, and for this series, what we really wanted to do this year uh, was humanize the statistic and really get to know the women behind the bars. And really, you know, we can say, like, yes, these episodes are about Pearl Bar in Houston, Texas, Boycott Bar in Phoenix, and Henrietta Hudson in New York, but it's really actually about the owners and the communities they serve. And for us, that was very exciting. And that was the narrative-driven content we really wanted to get out for uh, this iteration of the project. And both Jägermeister and Roku really supported that uh, vision in the way that we get to really get, you know, see these people who for who they are, learn about their struggles, discuss issues like sensitive topics that, you know, might not necessarily be all about like celebration, but it's really about resilience and the power of community. And uh, they really saw what we wanted to do and really supported that. I know that it's sort of, if I'm correct, like evolved into more of an episodic series over time. How did you come to that decision? And what were you trying to get across in each of the three episodes? Yes. So there was definitely an evolution of the project. Uh, When our industry shut down at the beginning of COVID, we couldn't meet in person. We couldn't work. We, we both come from um, a narrative background as well, and we couldn't work with actors anymore. So our, you know, our, our filmmaking skills shifted to sort of naturally, organically to wanting to tell the stories about our community in sort of a different lens because we 
our access was different and our mission, I think, as filmmakers was different too. So we reached out to the bar owners. We started uh, these conversations with them. We started um, conversations with uh, the community activists surrounding them, with the patrons surrounding them. And everyone was very open to talking and conversing. Like we had I guess, more time on our hands too. But this was all done virtually. But this also meant that we started this relationship with them. Um, and this relationship was 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 built. We did our PSA, which was mostly archival, as Erica mentioned. Uh, it was narrated by Leah Delaria. And that naturally progressed into the short film, which was which felt like we were scratching the surface. We were starting to really get into the world of the bars a little bit more. And, you know, the structure of a short film really showed um, it, it, it sort of honored the past, the present and the future. We really wanted to make sure that we would show these bars through the lens of an optimistic future, because it was important for us to create content in that moment that showed optimism for the future. You know, it was still uncertain at the time. So we wanted to show the audience that, you know, we will go back to being together. We are social beings and we are celebrating that. And we, those spaces are there to be authentically ourselves and they will, they will reopen. Um, so that was, that was how things progressed. And then for the series, uh, as Erica mentioned, we always wanted to keep telling the stories of our bar owners and it was an opportunity to dive even deeper into those stories. So we, by that time, we had been in conversation for like two plus years with our bar owners. So they became family and we found ourselves in a position of, Hey, we can actually write this out as an arc and really just concentrate on each. We don't have to add more than one part in one episode because there's so much already to be told there. Mm. So that's how this, this process took place. If we could have made for 24 films, we would have. Um, we also... Well, went- it's not over yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, is that in the cards? I mean, can we expect more episodes? Well, you know, when we started the project, there were 15 bars. Then the list kind of went up, which was great because the project raised awareness and more bars revealed themselves. So more conversations. And, and, and more some stories. of them were started too in yes. the past couple of years. Opened, well. yeah. new ones opened and revealed themselves. Um, so yes, that's definitely in the cards. We we have so many stories that we still need to tell, and this is just the beginning. Do you know? Do you have the numbers of like how how many bars have been impacted, or in term or like new bars that have launched? So what happened is yeah. So we uh, had fifteen originally, and then um, you know and before us there wasn't really a centralized list of all these bars. We were relying on, uh, we did extensive research for, you know, six months and we relied on NBC out and New York times reporting and a couple of other sources. But then when we launched the first iteration of the project, a couple, uh, community members stepped up and we're like, Oh, Hey, look at this bar. And you know, what defines a lesbian bar for us is a space that prioritizes marginalized genders within the LGBTQ community. So that's all queer women, regardless if they're cis or trans, non-binary people and trans men. Um, but they really are fundamentally safe spaces for everyone. So if they use the le- label of lesbian bar, in addition to queer space, you know, we included them on our list. And so that number grew to 21. And then um, three mm-hmm. bars opened in the past year. So then that ballooned our list to 24. That's amazing. So Olivia, talk about your collaboration with the directors. How did you sort of work together to support their vision in a way that you still got your brand 
image and values and all the things you needed to across while not like being too heavy handed about about it being a brand integration. Yeah, I mean, we let the girls tell their story. Um, that's really what it was about. We we just championed their voices. I mean, when they came to us first was t- and told us they wanted to tell this story, the Jägermeister part of it was just being, our, our role in it was just being able to help make it into a campaign in some in some ways. So we worked with them in like helping them establish the website and doing some merch collaborations and doing some extensive support from a PR perspective, mm-hmm. just helping them get the message across. But in regards to the actual content itself, they're the best storytellers there are out there to tell this story who better than them. So we really relied on them to be able to tell the story. And from a grand inter- into, you know, placement perspective, we just made sure that the brand was there at the right times during the series that we were represented correctly. But other than that, we really didn't have much impact or much input into how the story was being told. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about how like you made sure the brand was showing up at the right moment. I know there are certain times where, you know, Leah is drinking a Jägermeister drink and there's like very... Um, you, you probably, I'm sure, worked with Roku on a bunch of new like products and, and different ways to sort of try out brand integration. So talk a little bit about like what you learned from that, um, how you made those decisions and maybe how, how you're thinking about measuring success, right? Because these are all sort of like untested waters a little bit. Yes, it's all very new for us in regards to, you know, this this is essentially a branded piece of content within this larger narrative storytelling. Um, but we tried our best to make sure that it was organic as possible. So where there was cheersing, toasting moments, Jägermeister was represented. Where there was organic placements within the bar, Jägermeister was represented. And of course, we have like placements at the beginning and the end just for that recognition from a brand sponsorship perspective. But we, we really did try our best not to have it too heavy handed in regards to making sure that at the end of the day that the story still was the champion of the of the whole episode and that Jägermeister was just the supporting act in, in the role. Mm. Would you do something like this again in the future? Do you feel like that, that this has been a, a successful program for the brand? And how do you measure success of a project like this? I mean, overall, Jägermeister is going to support the Lesbian Bar Project in their storytelling capabilities. That's that's not going to go away. We've We've been there since the beginning and we foresee this relationship lasting through until until the job is done, which there is no end in sight right now. These bars still need support and these safe spaces still need narrative support. And the relationship with Roku has been wonderful. We, we've really enjoyed the partnership. We are not able to measure success yet because it's still in full fledge. I think we're looking to see those numbers and responses. But from word on the street, we, f- we feel like the episodic content is being really well received and it's a partnership we want to continue on supporting and working with Roku in the future. Mm. Well, you were able to measure the the new bars that opened, sure. so that's, that's success <laughs> as well. So Brian, talk a little bit about how Roku plans to work on similar series like this in the future. You know, how big is this branded content play for you and where do you see, maybe you have some exciting projects you can tease down the road. Yeah, besides the second season of Lesbian Bar Project. Um, so, <laughs> look, it's it all starts with a story. So what story do we want to tell? Um, it takes the right partners, so the right brand partner, the right creative partners. Um, and that's not easy. 
this whole project was not easy. Now it was easier than some because we like each other and the content was good and we had fun doing it, but lots of trust, lots of uh, pre-production work that goes into these things. And then of course, launching it. So um, I think that the way that this goes from our perspective is we want to do more. We do have quite a few um, um, opportunities that are in development, but in a lot of ways, it mirrors traditional entertainment where you got to develop the project, the right pieces have to come in place. And then um, that's how you uh, ultimately execute these types of larger scale content partnerships at in the brand studio and in Roku, we work with advertisers in a lot of different ways. It's not just, you know, these types of narrative um, series uh, we do and we do different genres of content too, animation, comedy, so on and so forth. It has to be the right ingredients of things coming together. So we do have quite a bit of that. And this, what I, what I, what's so exciting from a business standpoint of this project is it proves it right. And I give a lot of credit to Jägermeister because, and I told, you know, told this to, Chris Petty, the CMO, and said, not a lot of people are doing this. Like this takes trust. It's, 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 they put their money where their mouth is, you know what I mean? And it all worked out great, right? Like we said, these deserve long form storytelling. We happen to have a platform that can provide that. And our expertise in creative and production fits perfectly with what we tried to do here. So we expect a lot more of this to happen, but it, it takes the right ingredients. Yeah, a lot of trust needs to needs to exist between the teams, especially I'm assuming for for Erica and Alina who want to tell their stories and and everyone all around. So what is, what is next for both of you? I know you said that there's more stories to tell within the Lesbian Bar Project, but what are you working on, and, and what can we expect to see? Well, yeah, I mean, um, if we are fortunate enough to continue and to have a season two, we already have ideas. Um, there's many bars across the country that have very compelling stories, maybe go across seas because, hey, it's a problem internationally. Um, And we both have some other projects we're working on outside of this, but really we've been concentrating on this series for the past two and a half years, (laughs) but really like focused more on the past six months. And yeah, right now we're just really focused on getting people to watch and support and show up to the bars, frankly. Awesome. Allison, you're at the front end here. I, I want to underline the fact that Erica and Alina are extremely talented people. And, you know, it, it, I can see that it will be. Uh, this is just the beginning of what I think that they're capable of. Awesome. Well, I'm certainly excited to see a lot more come from both of you and the Lesbian Bar Project and this awesome collaboration that you guys have created. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. And I look forward to seeing what you come out with next. Thanks, Allison. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.